Hi guys, welcome back to Elsa and Ria's Emergency Room Podcast. Today we're going to be continuing with The Remedy, Queer and Trans Voices on Health and Healthcare by Zena Sharman. This chapter that we're going to start with is called Baby Escape Plan 2. My name is Ria and here's my co-host Elsa. Hi guys. This chapter is about Jay Walskelton, who is a trans guy who had two different experiences with a few different midwives um, during his pregnancies. And he describes the differences in this chapter, um, both in care and how he felt. Uh, I thought the story was really interesting. So I'm going to summarize first before we uh, converse about it. So when Jay was pregnant with his first um, baby, he immediately contacted the local midwives because he wanted to know the providers that were going to take care of him and he wanted to make sure that he was comfortable in his environment he wanted to make sure they had his pronouns correctly and would um take care of him and you know he could be in a space that he could control and being a trans guy there's a lot of differences and he's he said that birth made him feel vulnerable and he needed uh his words are advocates i could trust to work with me and support me and he says that with his first pregnancy he got really lucky because his midwife did all that he uh they were very competent in everything and um and when it turned out that the at-home birthing plan wouldn't work out uh they had a backup plan where a private room was arranged for him to have the baby and so he felt very safe and comfortable however with the second pregnancy it was completely different because he miscarried and it was really bad to inform them that he miscarried um and so when he got pregnant again he was hesitant to reach out um but he finally did and he was able to get a midwife um and this midwife was aware that trans people existed but she wasn't as careful about the pronouns and making sure Jay was comfortable and often tests and referrals and important things were uh, conducted late or just neglected because she was too focused on other aspects of care. And um, this midwife was also pushing for a C-section and Jay ended up wondering toward the end of his pregnancy if it was because the midwife just didn't want to see Jay's trans body um and um when jay took the ob referral the ob was actually very competent um in trans and queer um areas and so he he uh told jay that he didn't have to get a c-section if he didn't want to and he allowed jay to be pregnant for longer um which is what jay wanted and with uh, by 38 weeks of uh, being pregnant, Jay fired his midwife because his midwife was just starting to realize the importance of proper care for a trans man, um, and the importance of not dead naming a trans man is which is when you use the name that the uh, person was originally born with. Um, uh, it's like going to bring up a lot of trauma for that person, and so you're not supposed to do that. And Jay decided that if it was going to take this uh, person 38 weeks to learn this, which is something, a concept that's so simple, 
then it might be best if they're not present at the birth at all. And so this midwife was fired and another midwife was found. And this midwife was able to um, acknowledge that people can be pregnant, not just women. And um, everything was done exactly how Jay wanted. And so Jay made the appointment to have a C-section and his midwife reminded him that if it wasn't what he wanted, then he could easily just cancel and he just pushed forward. And then while he was actually at the hospital, a nurse um, again told him, nobody can force you to have a C-section. And that's where it finally clicked for Jay that he had the, he had the right to refuse. He knew that before, but he just found the courage to refuse and nobody pressured him and he was able to give birth naturally um with Jen present and um overall it was just a great experience and he ends the chapter by saying we had a baby and it was magic so just the differences in care and how it impacted him uh, mentally was just really interesting to read Yeah, and I think there's a lot in this story, um, a lot of detail that explains, like you said, like differences in care and how you should care for someone who's trans and how to be more competent. Um, And I mean, I guess now going through some notes that I made, uh, let's see. Uh, The first note that I have is um, like when at the beginning of this chapter, Um, When he's talking about his first pregnancy, he mentions how he um, felt like he needed to have a midwife because going to a hospital, you know, he couldn't control who'd be in the room and whether they'd be competent towards them, uh, him and his partner. And so, like, I just wanted to say, like, I felt so sorry that he 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 felt like a hospital couldn't give that to him and that he had to be limited in his options. Yeah, I I think it's already so hard to find somebody who understands you and then, you know, to have someone who just has so many judgments about who you are as a person and that impacting the care that you receive. It's just a scary thought, especially with everything going on in the world today and the violence we see against um, people in the LGBTQ plus community uh, I think like he has every right to feel scared and like upset about what care he's about to receive or just be overly cautious about it. Yeah, and I think especially considering that it's such a vulnerable time in his life um, and the fact that it's an unknown time where, you know, he hasn't gone through pregnancy before, he doesn't know what to expect. You know, he doesn't want the added stressor of, someone being there who's going to judge him make him feel insecure or you know whatever he may be may be experiencing in that moment um you know like that's not something else that you want to have to worry about so it definitely you know his feelings towards the situation are valid another part that i found really upsetting was to hear that he had two miscarriages and i wonder if this is something that trans men who Um, are trying to get pregnant experience I know that I mean he doesn't mention it in this chapter but just the fact that he had two miscarriages it could have just been um, him but 
I do wonder if that's something that trans men experience and if that's something that we as healthcare providers should um, be cognizant of. I'm not sure if it's uh, specific like that. Um, I would have to look more into it. But if it is, then yeah, it's definitely something that we should be more aware of. That's what I was thinking, that if maybe the hormones are um, not at the level they need to be to have to be able to carry a baby. If any of the listeners know, feel free to send us a voice memo. Because um, I can't find anything on Google as I'm checking it really quickly. Um, but yeah, feel free to send us a note. And then getting into the story of the uh, midwife that was just, you know, a horrendous experience for the couple. Um, this was just really sick to read. Um, at least the way it was described about her, you know, really being into the into helping this couple because of the experience and being able to brag to her friends saying, oh, look at me, I had a trans client and delivered his baby. Like, you know, that's just as a healthcare professional, obviously you don't look at, you don't look at your patients as if they're like any special or more special than anyone else. Um, I mean, I guess if you had a celebrity patient, um, you can feel that way, but obviously, you know, you want to be respectful of their um, desires and, and needs and just not make them feel or not make them feel any different in the way you treat them. So you know that was just interesting yeah um it's i think it's weird to see a patient as like a trophy almost or like something to like check off like i had a trans patient i had xyz patient i think everyone should be viewed as people because viewing someone like that just kind of dehumanizes them and the dead naming is horrible too because i mean that's just like if someone even if i said um, you know, my name is Rhea, but you repeatedly called me like, <laughs> why can't I think of a name? You repeatedly called me like, like Rachel or something, right? Um, obviously, people like to be called their name, like it's respectful. Um, and so, you know, calling someone by their old name is this, a similar thing where it's just not being respectful to them. And it's that added layer of, you know, bringing up the trauma of their old life and, you don't know, the things that they've gone through. Um, and also, like, you know, I learned something new. I learned what dead naming was. And, you know, it makes sense, like, now learning about how that's, a, you know, something I shouldn't do as a care provider. So, you know, I'll definitely try to keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, I'm gladly read this book and especially this chapter because I didn't know the importance of uh, dead naming and like not I mean not dead naming someone. Um, I thought it was uh, something out of preference um, and I'm not saying that to like be ignorant but oh I mean it is ignorant I guess but I just just wasn't aware um, how harmful it was to or harmful it is to someone who's trans to dead name them and I'm glad that I learned it from this book so I can provide better care for not just my patients, but just um, be a better person overall for people in the future. Yeah, and, you know, that's the great thing about this book. I think we're all learning um, how to be better care providers. 
And then I like the contrast that was shown with the second midwife, Jen Goldberg. And, um, you know, right off the bat, she's asking questions or she's saying things like people can be pregnant. Um, And then she's asking, like, you know, do you have any questions? Let me help you you know, understand the situation better. What do you want to get out of this? And then really, really caring because, you know, not asking that just once, but asking it twice. Like, what do you want and how can I make this um, experience something that you can be a part of um, in terms of making these medical decisions? I think that's great because, you know, it's, again, this great, great example of autonomy. Yeah, I agree with you. And then I like how she was also... Um, you know, making sure that only the people that he wanted in the room would be in the room and not everyone could come in. So kind of just also being like like the person in your corner that you need during a stressful time to ensure that all the other things you're afraid about don't occur. Yeah, just a companion in healthcare is what we're all looking for more than someone to just treat us as a patient. So this chapter is called Mind Your Words by Zeph Kalma. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing the name correctly, so I'm sorry if I am. Um, But basically, Zeph is a trans woman who has lived with depression her whole life. And in this specific situation that we're going to be discussing um she's going through a bout of gender dysphoria and so you know she's having suicidal thoughts and she decides that i'm going to go to the emergency room and hopefully they can help me and make sure that i don't you know end up killing myself and so first off she talks about how this is hard for her to do it's hard for her to admit that she's struggling and put all this trust in someone else and you know just be in this vulnerable position and especially because you know when you're having this this kind of mental crisis and you you are at this vulnerable state you don't want someone to make it worse and you don't know if they are and you hope they won't but you don't know and so that's part of the problem um and unfortunately you know she doesn't have the greatest experience in the emergency room and I guess some specific reasons why first off um, you know she has to make it very clear which pronouns to use but they repeatedly use the male pronouns um, just kind of like ignoring everything she said then also like we just mentioned uh, about dead naming they dead name her and so again this is just bringing back all these negative memories um, of her previous life And whenever she goes to try and correct them, um, the next person that's kind of brought into the little, like, uh, room that she's being checked out in, um, like, deadens her. So it's like that message isn't being passed along to the next care provider, and she has to keep reiterating herself. And every time it's just, like, another reminder um, or just, like, another, another stab to the heart. And, you know, the the one part that I um, thought, you know, that stuck out to me is at a certain point she says that you know I was feeling worse than when I arrived and it made me wonder why I even sought help here in the first place and so you know you don't want a suicidal person asking that um, and just like not feeling that the healthcare system can help them 
Um, and then she experienced this this issue of the nurse and later the doctor asking her why she was on um, hormones. And, you know, one, you know, how could you not know, like, if, if I'm telling you I'm trans, right? But even if you wanted to clarify, they were asking super loudly. And so her basically her whole medical history that she wanted to keep private was being told to um anyone you know who could hear and this was traumatic for her because you know it's like when you're embarrassed about something you don't want anyone to know and so it's like the same situation here and you know she had a little bit more faith in the doctor assuming that um whoever they were would have more experience dealing with trans patients and um just be able to show empathy and discretion as that's something that um a doctor should provide um but unfortunately the doctor opened by dead naming and misgendering her um and then after being corrected he was condescending like saying oh okay sure um but you know he was also very loud asking why she was on estrogen again it was super noisy um and then you know in the loud in the world's loudest voice he says his name is blank, but he wants us to call him Zeph. He wants us to use female pronouns. He's taking spiral, spiral naloxone to block testosterone and estradiol. And so, you know, it's just progressively getting worse to the point where she ends up just leaving the hospital. And she says that she ended up stumbling around the city for a day and sleeping on the street instead of being in the hospital. Um, and, you know, he, she doesn't remember how she got home. And, you know, she was hungry, homeless, hopeless, and cold. Um, and this is the part, I mean, obviously, that like really made me feel so terrible and horrible and sorry because like when you're, you're suicidal, like you should be taken care of. Someone should be there for you. And I'm sorry that her experience in the hospital made her feel like she couldn't trust the healthcare system and that she would be better off just like roaming around the streets. And, you know, I'm glad that she's alive and that she didn't find a means to kill herself and that she was strong enough to hold on. But it could have ended a lot worse where maybe she left and then she ended up killing herself. So I'm, I'm, you know, that's just terrible. And I think that everyone should kind of just like, I hope everyone hear some form of a story like this so that they understand how big of a problem it is um, when you treat a trans person in this way. Yeah, I think it's crazy that she felt safer out on the streets rather than at the hospital, especially when she was at her suicidal state. Um, And I think it's so sad that um, the way that they announced uh, his name is blank and he wants us to call him blank like and he wants to use female pronouns like they just female pronouns but they keep saying he um it's just so sad wait did you already say this no and i actually i didn't even catch that yeah i think um when i read that i was like it's this doesn't even make sense like you're clearly just saying it for the sake of saying you don't even mean what you're saying and the least you can do as a healthcare provider when so you know like is care um it's literally in the name health care like you're supposed to care um and to not even like 
care um is just so sad um so inhumane and i understand being overworked tired having so many things on your mind um but when someone comes in saying they're suicidal like you don't just brush that off and you know act the way these people did and i actually have an anecdote um about this uh, which i thought was interesting kind of goes along with the story I work as an EMT and I had um, a patient, I'm not going to give names or details, but basically this patient was also suicidal and we were just transporting the patient to um, the hospital facility. And when we arrived in during transfer, the patient was very like distressed and we were comforting her. Uh, and by the time we got to the hospital, she had actually calmed down, thankfully. Um, And that's because we were showing her compassion and, you know, being there to just listen. Um, However, when we got to the hospital, as soon as we stepped in, the first thing a nurse said was, oh, you again, what are you, suicidal again? Like, just so, like, blatantly. And it was just, like, so horrific to hear. And, like, everybody, except for one person, was laughing. And there were, like, 10 people in the reception area, and they all just laughed. And, you know, you could see the patient just visibly get so sad again um and they all just joke about it apparently she had been there earlier that week but it doesn't matter how many times you need help any anytime you're in that state like you should be you should be um comfortable enough just to walk in and say i need help and expect to receive the care that a normal person would receive or someone you know for anything um, just because you cut your toe open last week doesn't mean that you can't get surgery for another toe that was cut open. Um, every injury, every illness needs to be treated or helped in some way. And um, yeah, I, it's just like the inadequacies that we see in healthcare, especially regarding mental health. Um, just so sad. Um, and I thought it was just so interesting compared to this story. You want to feel like you're going to be heard too, like again, like you said, like, no matter how many times, each time you want to feel like, like, they're gonna listen to you, and they're gonna take it, oh, take it seriously, that's what I wanted to say, um, and yeah, and like you were saying about mental health, and how that specifically is something that, I guess, like, some of the older people in healthcare aren't too well informed on, because I I don't think it was a, as large of a part of the curriculum, and everything like that, um, that's probably why we do see some of these um like inadequacies in treating that kind of health that aspect of health um which i think we're on the right track to correcting now as society in general is caring a lot more about um mental health but like you said this is a shame your story and this story of how um she's not being treated or taken seriously when she's literally on the brink of death, just like as you would treat like a heart attack seriously. Um, Cause someone's might die. It's, it's the same thing here. And just not showing that compassion is really odd to me. Like, I don't understand why it was so difficult for them to just like, um, like, like understand what she was saying and try to empathize with her and try to be a nice person as you would to anyone else and not do things that are making the person uncomfortable. Um, so it's weird and it's weird how I'm sure this is, this isn't like a unique one-time thing because just like 
with your story, I'm sure there's a lot of times that this stuff is happening, which is unfortunate. Yeah, it's definitely not an isolated event. Um, and on your point about an older patient, it actually wasn't. It was, or I mean, an older nurse. It was a young nurse. Um, so I think that just goes to show that it's not just the older generation. It's also our generation um, that needs to be more informed and take everything seriously instead of treating things as um, mundane or, you know, just casual uh everything i don't know i think everyone just deserves the same respect yeah for sure and i had a quick anecdote just about like when she was um like in the whatever room she was in and um the doctor was stating her business loud for everyone to hear that actually happened to me where i went to my primary care provider and um my and like he didn't close the door so there was a patient in the next room and um like I think they they could definitely hear um what was being said so I mean I personally didn't care too much um just because like I mean I was saying things that I wouldn't really just tell anyone but I guess like I, I I didn't care enough to be like could you please close the door which it was my right to you know say something if I wanted to but it was fine. But regardless, that shouldn't have been something that happened. Like, maybe he just forgot. But, you know, I just thought that was a little uncomfortable. So I could definitely relate to, like, not wanting my business, like, said. It was it was definitely, like, weird. And then I have another anecdote, which is related to, like, um, you know, all, all of this patient's business being said out loud in the hospital. And so currently, I'm a medical assistant slash I also shadowed the doctor at the facility and when I was shadowing her she was um doing a physical exam on the female patient and you know like feeling her breasts for any abnormalities or masses and she told me that you know when I get to a point of residency and I'm working in a hospital that I have to be very careful and learn how to do a physical examination um, where I'm keeping the patient covered so I'm not exposing their body because when you're in a busy hospital sometimes you're not going to be able to get a room for you to do a physical examination so you know you might end up having to do it in the middle of the hallway and you know you want to make sure that while you're doing this physical examination you're not exposing their body to just anyone walking by because you're not in a room so she told me you know you got to learn how to keep the body covered as you're doing these examinations and um I just think that that might also pertain to this situation here where you know it could have been busy and you know that's why um it felt like everyone could hear her business which i'm not saying is an excuse because like i said you have to learn how to handle that sort of environment and still keep the patient's information confidential um so i just like that's just something i thought that could be happening in this situation here yeah i think patient confidentiality is so important and what you said about keeping the patient's keeping the patient safe um there's just so many instances of where patients are violated and so just ensuring that they feel safe, um, whether it's with their names, like we said earlier in the podcast, or just with their general privacy is really important. So that's all we have for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. Bye.